Hi, I'm Rick Atkins, pastor here at CFCC. Welcome. We hope you enjoy this sermon and that God uses it to grow you in your relationship with Him. Before we get started, our goal is not to replace your investment in a local church with online content. We were made for community. We want to encourage you to engage in a local church with your gifts. See, when the people of God invest in the community of God, they experience the transformative power of God. And that is our hope and prayer for you. Again, thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the sermon. Well, good morning. Happy Easter, Resurrection Sunday. He's risen. Amen, amen. The tomb is empty, and I pray that everyone, everyone here and online knows that truth and the power of Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. And if you don't, would you consider... Would you consider hearing the good news of the gospel this morning? Let me welcome all of you joining us this morning online. We are so excited to have you with us as we celebrate our risen Savior and the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. And I want to begin this morning with a question. Have you ever felt like you were stuck in some grief or sorrow or some despair or uncertainty or doubts? A place like you were, you were down in this valley and you didn't know what to do or where to turn. Have you ever felt like one of those, having one of those moments in life? Have you ever experienced one of those moments in life where there was no path forward? At least it didn't look like there was a path forward that, that you would like to go back, but you know you can't go back, but you're not sure where, where to go next. Think of it maybe this way. Have you ever woken up the day after something bad happened in your life and at first you forgot? You forgot about the bad thing or you thought it was all maybe just a dream and, and then you fully come awake and it hits you this bad thing really did happen and you realize and you realize in that moment that I have to face another day dealing with all the emotions that surround it do you know what I'm talking about have you experienced that maybe you're here today or watching online because you're in that valley because you're in that place where you don't see a path forward Knowing you can't go back, but this sorrow, this grief, this, this betrayal, this hurt, this pain, this, this uncertainty, this doubt, it's just got you down. Well, today as we celebrate, as we rejoice over the Savior's victory and resurrection, 2,000 plus years ago, there was a group of people that followed Jesus around. We know them as the disciples of Christ. They followed Jesus. They walked with Jesus. They watched and observed Jesus. They gave up everything to go with Jesus. Can you imagine with me what they must have experienced on Saturday? After the crucifixion on Friday, which we reflected on just a couple days ago, can you imagine, can you allow yourself to imagine what, what they must have been experiencing on Saturday? The same thing that you or I throughout our lives would experience too, a Saturday. A Saturday like they did so with that in mind what I want to do is take a minute and I want to draw a little illustration on the board and I want to kind of set the stage so it leads us to the good news of the resurrection and so let's walk through this uh, together and you'll have to excuse my drawing and writing skills that is it is Easter you're supposed to be nice <laughs> so That's it. How'd I do? Good? Thanks. Some people are like, he's going to pray and we're going to go to lunch and it's going to be an incredible Easter. 
Let's start on Thursday in the upper room. And now you're thinking we're never getting a lunch. <laughs> on Thursday, the disciples and Jesus are in the upper room. Jesus leaves the upper room. He goes out to the garden. That says garden. And in that moment, Judas comes. He betrays Christ. Jesus is arrested. We know from here, we get the cross. We get Golgotha. And it's Friday. From here, we get the grave. And it's Saturday. Can you imagine with me? The disciples were with him right here. They knew he went out to pray. He's arrested. They see him crucified on the cross. They see him die. They see him placed in a tomb. It's Saturday. They've given up everything. They're in this moment where they're stuck here. Maybe you feel that. Maybe that's how you can relate. There's grief, right? There's grief. There's sorrow. There's uncertainty. There's doubt. All these things. No doubt the disciples, they wanted to go back, right? I mean, I want to go back to the way it was. Just like us when we find ourselves in those moments. We just want to go back, right? If we could just go back, it was so much better. But, but now we're here and we know, even though we don't like to believe it, we can't go back. So what do we do? What do we do? We're stuck. Well, the good news of the resurrection is we don't have to stay stuck. The good news about what Jesus has done is that there's a path out. And if you'll notice, the pasture, the, the place where we're going is greater than the place that we were. The good news of the resurrection Jesus lives, and so can we. And so we get here Sunday, today. You don't have to stay stuck. The disciples didn't have to stay stuck. Jesus comes out of the tomb. And so even if you're experiencing the grief, the sorrow, the doubt, the uncertainty, you're experiencing a, a, a Saturday moment in life, and maybe you're not right now, but, but you know that you have, or you know that one may be coming because life is hard, and it's difficult, and it's challenging, and there are hurts, and there are pains. There are things coming that none of us see. But Jesus does. And so what I want to do is just share with you good news of the, the gospel, the good news of the resurrection, the good news of what Jesus has done for us. Proverbs 25, 25 says, like cold water to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. Jesus brings us good news today. From the time that sin entered into the world and the beginning of the Bible and Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, when sin entered in, Adam, in the garden in Adam and Eve and they fell into the seed and they sinned and sin came upon us, 
God made a promise to restore what was lost. He made a promise to provide a way for us to be with Him again, to conquer the sin that separates. And this promise fulfilled in the death and the resurrection and a future promise that we can look to now knowing that He keeps His promises. This is good news, church. This is really good news that we don't have to stay in that place. Sorrow and grief and doubts and pain doesn't have to consume and overwhelm and keep us bound. Today we have exciting news to share and we should share it, we should share it joyfully. We celebrate the glorious news that our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ is not dead and lying in a grave. Today we celebrate the fact that He has risen from the dead and the tomb that He occupied is empty and this victory is for us. Get us unstuck to help us move forward. So let's go back to Jerusalem, the, that early Sunday morning. Let's hear the message of the resurrection from the angel that appeared. So Matthew 28, if you have a Bible, you'd like to join me there. Matthew 28. Go to the middle of the Bible. If you have an electronic device, you can probably find it a lot faster. But middle of the Bible and find the very first book in the New Testament, the book of Matthew. Go all the way to the end of Matthew, Matthew 28, verses 1 through 8. This is what Matthew records for us. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb, and behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. Verse 3. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. Verse 5. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. Verse 8. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Are you stuck? Are you stuck in Saturday morning? Or are you down in the valley? Psalm 23 reminds us that though we walk through the valley, we don't walk alone. The shepherd guides and leads us. But are you there? If you are, I bring you good news of great joy. The same, the same type of good news that we heard at Christmas. The joy that Christ has come. And now the joy that He has risen. The work has been complete. One day we will be with him like cold water to a thirsty soul. So was the good news of Jesus' resurrection. And his resurrection validates for us his promises. His promises to lead us out of being stuck in that Saturday to deliverance and salvation on Sunday. So here's a, four quick observations from that text. Here's the first one. There's comfort in the good news. There's comfort in the good news. Look at verse 5 of Matthew 28 again. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's saying, Be calm. Be calm. The comfort there is to be calm. I mean, imagine having our experience, the events of those previous days, these women were fear, filled with fear and anxiety, right? The arrest, the crucifixion, the burial, and the... The fact that they left again everything to follow and go with him and their hearts were already heavy, troubled. You, you and I know that as we've lost loved ones throughout our lives. They're troubled over the death of 
Jesus. And they become even more troubled as they come to the tomb and the sight that met them right as they approached there. And the message of the resurrection is stay calm. Stay calm. Have faith. Don't be troubled or anxious. Jesus spoke this to Mary and Martha in John 11, the story of their brother Lazarus dying. And Mary and Martha are beside themselves. They're anxious. They're worried. They're upset. There's sorrow. There's grief. And Jesus waits a time before He comes and He speaks calmness and peace to them, right? And we can experience this same calmness and peace and rest through any situation in any circumstance that we face in life because of the resurrection. He is in control when we are not. Why can we experience that? Because the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead proves that our God is sovereign and He's good and He loves us. If He can raise His Son from the dead, then there is nothing our God can't do. Ephesians 3.20, Paul writes, Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, His Spirit. Listen to this. A God... A God that powerful knows how to give peace to his children. He knows how to give peace in spite of the circumstances in which we may find ourselves in. He knows how to give peace, but he also knows how to lead us out and up. And one day up eternally. John 14, 27, Jesus promises this. Remember, Jesus doesn't break promises. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. See, that comes from the resurrection. That comes from the power of the victory, of the resurrection that Jesus slayed, the giant that we all face, and that's death. Second thing that we get from the comfort of this good news is to be courageous. The message of the resurrection should give us courage. It should instill courage in our hearts. Again, because our giant, the biggest valley, right, that, that, that uh, Psalm 23, that David speaks about, that valley, the shadow of death, the biggest valley, what has happened in the resurrection, Jesus has, has defeated it, right? So it should give us courage. Death wears your sting. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes, For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on the immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So we have peace, we have calmness, we have courage. It should give us courage to follow Him leading us out. Give us confidence. We should be confident command to fear not. That's what the angel said to the women, right? It should fill our hearts with confidence because again, Jesus always keeps his word. His promises are real and certain. His words are true. And now we can believe that because of the resurrection. Because of the resurrection, we can count on him. He'll do what he said he'll do. 
Every promise that He has made is a promise He can and will keep. He promises He will meet our needs, Matthew 6. He will keep us safe, 1 Peter. He will provide us a home in heaven, John 14. He will return for us one day, 1 Thessalonians. He will walk with us every step of the way, Matthew 28. He will keep you close and clean, 1 John 1. The resurrection of Jesus gives us a living hope, 1 Peter 3. Those are just a few. That is the comfort of the good news. Here's the second observation, the challenge of the good news. Matthew 28, verse 6, back in our text. The angel, he says, He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Maybe you're a skeptic. Maybe you're a cynic. Maybe you're watching online just trying to find the holes in the story. Maybe you're doubting. Here the angel challenges them to come, a challenge to examine. Come and see the place where he was. It is an invitation to examine the claim of the resurrected Lord. His body, which was previously there, placed by Joseph and Nicodemus, is no longer there. It's empty. The tomb is empty. It couldn't have been stolen away because Roman guards were there. They sealed the tomb. The empty tomb is a powerful argument for a promise kept. There's a very funny verse in Scripture, a very, very funny verse that we find within this part of the story of Scripture. Matthew 27, 65. I don't have it on the screen, but so he's rereading it. It's very funny because Pilate, after they put Jesus in the tomb, Pilate says to the guards, he says, go and make it as secure as you can. He had no idea. It's interesting to know that there was no search ever made for the body of Jesus by the officials who would claim that it had been stolen. There was no official search. There was never any arrest made of any disciples who you'd think would be the first suspect, the prime suspect, for stealing the body. If we examine the claims of the resurrection, and they've been examined by the greatest of minds for 2,000 plus years, there's no explanation that Jesus did just as he promised. Mark 9, 31, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days he will rise. See, Jesus invites you to come and see. There's a challenge to experience, not just to examine, but to experience it. The message of the angel who rolled the stone away is also an invitation to experience. You see, the word see means to know. To know. Jesus not only wants you to believe in the resurrection, but he wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. Thomas. Doubting Thomas, we call him. John 20. We see his response to the death and the resurrection. He says, I'll believe it once I touch it. Some of us kind of have that same approach to this. I'll believe it once I touch it or see it. What does Jesus do? In the encounter there when Jesus appears, he says to Thomas, don't, don't run away. Don't, don't lean away, but lean into. Rather, come to me. As he invites us, he invites him to do what? To do not disbelieve, but believe. That is what Jesus is inviting you this morning to do. Do not disbelieve, but believe. We've accumulated so much advanced knowledge 
over the centuries that the story sometimes of the crucifixion and the resurrection seem a little old-fashioned, right? Or archaic or maybe simple. But there's only one message that will save a soul that is lost. Acts 4.12 And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The same message of invitation that he extended to Thomas in that moment, he extends to those who don't know him to come and experience the power of his resurrection, the glory of his salvation. It stands in front of you. He presents it to you. He died for us. He rose again for us. And if he'll come to him, he will save. The third observation is the commands of Scripture. The commands of the good news. There's a command here in this Scripture. Uh, verse 7, the first part. The angel said, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. This is for Christians. This is for us as believers. Where the first part was to come and see to the skeptic, the cynic, the doubter, the one who doesn't believe. Now he turns to those who do believe and are with him is to go quickly now and do what? To tell. Once we've experienced the resurrection and the power and the victory of Christ in the resurrection, we have this command, this imperative now to go and tell. Tell the world something so wonderful. Why would we want to keep it to ourselves anyways? This is hope producing. These women were told to go tell who? The disciples. Where were the disciples in this moment? They've been hiding in a locked room. Fear, anxiety, sorrow, grief. All the emotions you and I have experienced. They are experiencing it. And he says, go and tell them. Why? Because the news of the resurrection, the empty tomb that Jesus fulfilled the promise of coming back to life and conquering sin, death in the world for us, is good news that brings hope. So he tells them, go quickly. Go tell them. Because they need the hope. You and I, as disciples, we need to tell. Why? Because people need to hope. Live in a dark, broken world. You've experienced it. I've experienced it. We see it all around us. The only hope that we know that lasts for eternity is Jesus. Are we living as though the Lord is risen, and are we going and telling and sharing the message that he lives? We're not to linger at the tomb. The women were not to linger, right? But we're to take the good news to the entire world. It's one of the reasons why we believe God led us in an expansion campaign here on our church campus, that we would be able to tell the world more, the world around us more, reach more people. All the people, that no one would be left behind, that we would be able to share the hope of the resurrection and the good news of Jesus Christ with everyone. And he says to do it quickly and tell. Don't go slow. Without delay, go. Tell them. Live intentionally. Because this is an urgent message. Here's the last one. There's confidence. Not only do we are to go, tell, we have confidence in going. Matthew 28, 7, the last part of 7, the first part of 8. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. Verse 8. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. 
they're obviously overcome with the news. They're obviously overwhelmed with what they're experiencing. An angel from heaven just appeared and has spoken to them in this way. They are full of not just any type of joy, but a great joy. And there is some, some fear here because they're not exactly sure in the moment that it's still happening. They're still processing, right? But what do they do? They do what? They run and they tell the disciples because they had what? The confidence that the Lord precedes them. That's what the angel said, right? He is going where before you church Christian brother sister we have the confidence that Jesus goes before us he prepares the hearts of those that he desires us to interact and engage with with the fruit of the spirit the gentleness and the kindness of the gospel so that they too may hear the good news as we have he precedes us he walks with us he guides us he leads us out. Our own story of being stuck is our testimony to the world around us. Who led you out? Who got you up here? Jesus. Jesus. And we don't go alone. Matthew 28, just a few verses later, verses 18 to 20, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We've already determined and settled Jesus doesn't break promises. You know what else he said to them? There you will see him. Oh, the news spread, and they were running, no doubt, because there was a hope that they had for disciples that they needed to bring them out, because that's the good news. But they were also running, because they were going to see him. And eventually, they ran right into him. That's the promise for us. We run this race, as Paul says, knowing that the prize... The upward call of the prize is Jesus. Heaven isn't heaven. Jesus isn't there. Because it's all about Jesus. And one day you and I will see the risen Lord with the scars in his wrists and his feet, the scar of the piercing of the spear in his side. We will see him face to face. Are you ready for that day? And until that day, we serve, we submit. We humble ourselves. So let me ask you as we close, are you stuck on Saturday? Are you in a place in life where you're stuck? Do you need to be rescued to a Sunday state of mind? Listen to this. Because Jesus lives, you and I can be saved by grace. His grace. Because he lives, we can have our sins washed away forever. Because he lives, we can go to heaven when we leave this world. Because he lives, the grave has no power over those who believe. Because he lives, eternal life is our present possession. Because he lives, one day we too will live with him in that heavenly city that he is preparing. Because he lives, I'll never have to take a step in this world alone. 
Because He lives, there is a hope and there is a help and there is a home awaiting us in eternity. Because He lives, I am alive. Because He lives, my sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. Because He lives, my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Because He lives, God is my Father. Because He lives, sin has no more dominion over me. Because He lives, I am saved forever. And so I want to ask, have you come to the realization that Jesus is alive and he is who you need? Do you understand what will happen if you die without him? Do you realize that there is no other way into heaven than through the Lord Jesus Christ? And do you know that he loves you? Do you know that he loves you? Right where you're at, he loves you. You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to get it all together. He loves you right where you're at. But he loves you enough to not leave you where you're at, but to transform you into who God desires and has designed us to be. Do you know that his death was by us and for us? Do you know that his death and his resurrection will not mean anything to you until you humbly bow before him in repentance and faith and confess. Do you know that you could do that right now? That you don't have to take a class. You don't have to read the whole Bible. You don't have to do any of those things. Right now you can. All you have to do is come to him. All you have to do is believe. Confess the sin of your life. Believe on Jesus as the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Trust in Him and not yourself. Let Jesus sit on the throne of your heart. As cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. Jesus brings us good news from the eternal heaven. The greatest news I ever heard was the exciting news that God loved me, that Jesus had given his life for me. He'd rose again and he would save me if I would simply come humbly, acknowledging that I can't do it on my own. I need him. Have you experienced that good news? Is Jesus your Savior and Lord today? I invite you because Jesus' arms are open to respond to his invitation to know him, to believe, to confess, and to be made new. And the Bible assures us in a moment you're made new. We're going to celebrate this transformation in the lives of several who are going to be baptized publicly right here. We're going to celebrate, right, church? Amen. So even today, if today, in that moment just now or throughout this time that we've been sharing and God's been leading, if you've responded to that invitation to believe on him, confess and trust, transfer that trust from yourself to him and live forever with him in heaven, then I want to welcome you first and foremost to the family of God. But I also want to invite you right now 
to be baptized and proclaim that truth publicly. And I promise you, we will celebrate and we will welcome and we will rejoice with you and we will be there to walk with you as we walk together home because we want to take everybody home with us. And if you're here and you are a believer in Jesus but you've never been baptized, I want to invite you to do it today. Don't wait. Do it today. If you're here and your baptism was as an infant, we certainly honor and respect your parents' faith. But I invite you today to be baptized. Proclaim it as your own. And you're wondering, well, I'm not ready. We thought of that. We have clothes. We have towels. There are probably people in this room who can refix your hair. All those kinds of things. Do not let anything stand between you and what the Lord is leading you to do now. And so while the team sings a song for us, I'm going to invite you as we prepare for baptism. If that is you, you can simply get out of your seat. Go to the Connection Center in the back part of the auditorium. They have everything you need back there. And join us as we celebrate baptism. Let's pray. Father, God, thank you. Thank you that you didn't leave us on our own. You didn't leave us stuck. You brought us out. And you lead us home. And our home is with you forever. And God, I pray for those today who may have made that, made that decision to respond to Jesus, to believe and confess. God, welcome them home. And God, as we celebrate baptism, may your church erupt in joy and praise for what you have done in the lives of others just like you've done in mine. God, we love you because you first loved us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.